Are you looking to live the abundant life no matter what your income is? You're in the right place. This is the podcast that will teach and inspire you to live better. Whether you want to earn more, save more, or improve your relationship with money or people, it's time for the 90 Days to Abundance podcast, brought to you by SavingsAngel.com. Here's your host, the Chief Executive Angel of SavingsAngel.com, Josh Elledge. Thank you, Cece, and thank you for clicking the play button. You have chosen wisely. On today's episode, this is a very special episode because in celebration of Labor Day and in celebration of the fact that I am laboring my fingers to the bones in preparing something so magnificent that if you are a a small business owner, if you're an entrepreneur, if you are interested in starting a small business, I am sharing the secrets to my success. And I'm going to teach you one extremely valuable skill, and that's what I'm working on right now. It's a a new website, it's a new company, and I I am going to share that with you this week. But as I said, in celebration of these things, I am sharing one of my Encore episodes. This one is probably one of the most important episodes that I've ever produced, and because it lays the blueprint for how to be financially abundant. It's three basic steps three things that you need to have. And so I'm so excited to share this episode with you. If you've never heard it before, if you have heard it, kind of check and see how you're doing on these things. Because what I want for you is I want abundance for you. I want you to experience blessings and riches in every area of your life. And so with that, let's get going on the three things you need to enjoy abundance. So I've got a question for you. What is abundance? Well, abundance to me means an overflowing to the point where it impacts your life and your spirit in a positive way. Now, in this program, we talk primarily about financial abundance. And that's a very measurable area of our life to examine this principle of abundance. Now, there are others, of course, spiritual, physical, emotional, and there are lots of areas I want to help you achieve abundance in your life. But a majority of the time, I'm going to help you get ahead financially without a bunch of boring financial planning talk. I'll leave that to the experts who I'll be interviewing from time to time, and I will not be interviewing the boring ones. So now some people might look at a lot of what I teach and say, well, you teach a lot about saving money, but that's not really about abundance, is it? Well, stick with me today and I'll explain why I spend so much time on that area. It's very, very much on purpose. Now, my response to the question of how to create financial abundance, however, lies in mastering three areas of the subject. And I believe that in order to have financial abundance, you must become very good at these three areas involved in moving forward. Now, the first area that I believe you need to get much, much better at, and trust me, we all do, is understanding the principles and philosophies around money attraction and how to think like a wealthy person. Now, sadly, even when I say the words think like a wealthy person, there's probably some of you who you probably felt something on your inside and it may have been 
a negative reaction to that. What you, I don't know. I don't want to think like a wealthy person. Wealthy people are bad now. Now, sadly, many of us have some unhealthy beliefs about money. We assume that people with a lot of money, well, they they must be evil. Money grubbing, Wall Street villains, land developers of which that you'd find on Scooby-Doo. I mean, those those guys were always the villains, right? They'd take off the mask and, Mr. Smithers! Yes, and I'd have gotten away with it too. If it wasn't for these blasted kids and their dogs. You know, this is the guy that was going to shut down the orphanage and try and scare away everybody so he could make more money. Now, as a result of having those judgments on people with a lot of money, evil, rich people or whatever, it can be pretty easy to overlay those beliefs about that behavior or this perception that we may have onto money itself. And so we begin to think, well, if I accumulate a lot of money, I'm going to become the villain on Scooby-Doo. And Fred's going to pull off my mask. So I, I have to tell you that I believe nothing could be further from the truth when it comes to money. Now, I believe, and I would really urge you to adopt this belief as well, and that is that money is not good. But money is also not evil. Money is absolutely a moral. It has no value, good or evil, by itself. It's simply an energy. It's just a currency. And it's just something, it's something that amplifies who we already are and what our choices would be if we were given a little bit more freedom and flexibility with that currency and that energy. So we see that someone who's prone to making unethical choices, uh, if they accumulate a, a lot of money, well, guess what they're going to do? Well, they're just going to make more unethical choices, and chances are those unethical choices are going to be magnified. So in other words, they're going to make a lot of bad choices, and that money will empower them to do that and, and make even bigger bad choices. Similarly, if you see someone who is morally grounded, and again, I'm, you know, I'm not talking about issues like ethics and morals uh, and, and uh, suggesting that I have the standard for what that is. I, I'm just asking you to kind of come up with your own ideas of what that might look like. Now, and I'm not going to make any assumptions broadly on who or what is moral or ethical in this discussion. But anyway, when we see someone who most of us can agree is a good person, is a moral, ethical, upstanding person, a person who values relationships, a person who values service, a person who values wise stewardship over what they're blessed with, well, we tend to see this amoral energy of money amplifying the good in that person. And I believe that the vast majority of people who would listen to a program like 90 Days to Abundance firmly fit in that category, right? But I'm I'm just making crazy assumptions. Now, you probably already believe this, but, but let me be extremely clear with you. Money will not make you evil, just as I believe that money will not make you good. But I believe that money will give you the freedom to do 
all of the wonderful good things which you would like to do. Now, there's also an equally powerful force, just as powerful as an abundance of money, abundance of money is. Now, this force can cause us to make choices as well. And the energy that I'm talking about is lack. And when you give the energy of lack and you think, oh my gosh, I don't have enough money, and you apply that to someone who is constantly looking for shortcuts and is willing to hurt people or cause damage on the way to uh, getting away from that negative energy, well, that's where we see a lot of crime happening out of greed and because that energy of lack, which is, again, lack is amoral, but lack has amplified the actions of someone who makes negative choices regularly and makes those seemingly small negative choices bigger. So this is the only time where we could kind of sort of ascribe value to money, and and that is when money is now attached to someone who can make value-based decisions, sort of like giving the value of speed to an object. Well, if this object is a boulder, and it's a giant boulder, and it's rolling down the mountain, and it's getting ready to crush a village and, and, and the villagers in that village, well, that's not so good. More money could be thought of as like more speed added to something dangerous. Now, however, if that value of speed is offered to a performance athlete who works extremely hard and does what they do to honor their own spirit and their integrity and give honor to their mission, I think that's awesome. So similarly, if you are blessed tonight with a gift of $100,000, what would that make you? What would you become? Well, I'm here to tell you that it wouldn't make you anything. It may simply reveal who you already are. And this becomes a problem when we see people who acquire money too quickly. We kind of, you know, it's like taking the blanket or, or like, uh, you know, flipping on the light real fast and you see the, the roaches scurry about. It's too much too soon. It's a lot of energy. I should say a large amount of money, like, you know, like a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars or ten million dollars. It's, it's, it's a lot of energy to give to someone who is not, who, who, they're not trained how to manage that much. And it's kind of like putting your teenage driver behind the wheel of an Indy car that they really can't handle. They really can't handle that much power very well. And it, be, it can become dangerous because they're just not used to to handling that much energy. And again, that energy, horsepower, speed, that's not good or bad. It just is what it is. So when I'm talking about, don't think of an Indy car as being better than driving a Honda Accord. It's not. It's just a different speed at, at which you can do stuff with. And again, fast is not necessarily better. It's just a different, it's just dropping it into a different gear, right? Now, if you place in their lap that amount of energy, in some ways, it can end up being uncomfortable. And often people will unconsciously make choices to get back to what's normal for them. Now, we see this time and time again, where people who receive windfalls tend to lose their money quickly. 
A study showed that lottery winners are twice as likely to declare bankruptcy as the average person. The National Endowment for Financial Education, they cite research estimating that 70% of people who suddenly receive a large sum of money will lose it all within a few years. Studies show that windfalls create do create a spike in happiness, but after a few months, folks generally go right back to where they were prior to the big win, supporting my belief that money it, it has no power, good nor evil. So in terms of creating an abundant life, having the right money philosophies will ensure that as the money comes, and it will come if you follow these three tenets that I'm going to share with you, okay? If you have the right philosophies, you will be able to keep it. You'll be able to manage it. And on some level, your beliefs about money will affect how you attract this money. So that probably brings you to a question in your mind of, okay, well, where do these ideas come from? How can I improve my money philosophies? Well, you're listening to a great source of that information on this podcast, if I may be so bold. I'll teach you these philosophies. And in my expanded e-course at SavingsAngel.com, you can take the 90 Days to Abundance program, and I'll teach you everything that I've learned about this. Now, I'm not necessarily speaking as someone who's mastered these subjects, okay? but I will teach you as both a student of good money philosophy and a teacher of good money philosophy and everything that I've learned over my decades of research on this subject, because it's absolutely true that people who find themselves in wealthy circumstances and people who find themselves in non-wealthy circumstances tend to have some very fascinating and unique differences in what they value and how they think. And I've read stacks of books on this subject, and it's absolutely valuable to learn what wealthy people think. And I will tell you this right now, that if you, and most people do this, develop your ideas about how wealthy people think based on what you see coming out of Hollywood or on TV or on the front pages of the newspaper or magazine where we love to sensationalize garbage, it's no wonder that you have a negative perception of wealthy people. Now, based on my years of research, I can tell you that Hollywood's perception of wealthy people could not be further from the truth. Okay? Again, we're sensationalizing this, uh, this archetype of the rich villain. And trust me, there is probably no more provocative of a character to uh, sensationalize than the rich villain. Now, I'll share more in a future podcast in terms of what these differences are, because some of those differences are very startling. And the good news is, if you share more in common with those who have earned their own money, and earned and amassed a large amount of money, I believe that you will naturally find yourself in better financial circumstances. Eventually, you will win just by having these philosophies. Now, of course, there look, there are a lot of things that are outside of our control, and, and those things can influence any one of us, no matter what our income is. 
Okay, serious health issues, serious life circumstances that, that we really don't have a lot of control over. Now, however, different people respond to uh, those um, influences or, or events in our lives differently. And it's based on those responses and the outcomes and the eventual outcomes of those circumstances. They can be very, very different based on the choices or how we react to those circumstances. And I believe that this has a very large part to do with uh, who is able to stay wealthy and who can lose everything that they've gained. So now there's also a number of other places that you can learn these wealth philosophies. And throughout the course of this podcast, keep on listening, hit the subscribe button. I'll share with you many of my favorite sources. Now, one of the first books that I read on the subject was Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. Really, it's a life-changing book, but many people will read it and set aside much of what he talks about because they won't believe what he's talking about is true, and that's okay. Think and Grow Rich was it was written a long time ago and is written after the author spent many, many years researching the philosophies and beliefs of some of the country's most successful and influential leaders. And there are several things in the book which, well, they'll leave you scratching your head. And, and again, that's okay. But if you just take it one chapter at a time, you'll begin to see that the vast majority of people do not think like those whom Napoleon Hill studied and reported on. Now, again, I'll share more about those wealth philosophies in future shows, and some are going to work for you, and some absolutely won't, and again, totally fine. So that's this first leg of the stool that you must have, I believe, in order to create abundance. So are you ready for number two? Well, here we go. A vast majority of the wealth that we can accumulate is from what we earn. And generally, we trade work, effort, and ideas for that wealth. We earn money from our jobs. We earn money from our businesses. Okay, this is a generalization. But the bigger problems that we are able to solve and the more people that we can impact in a positive way, Generally, not always, but generally, we will find ourselves earning more and more money. If you're solving big problems, chances are you're making big money. If you're solving little problems, then society has agreed, uh, right or wrong, that it's just going to require less compensation for that. Now, if you're willing to find out what the most successful people in your line of work or your type of business do and what they had to do in order to get to that point, well, if you can duplicate or improve upon their habits and actions, then you will have or you will exceed what they have. This is a very important lesson because most people, they're not willing to do what it takes to succeed, particularly amongst small business owners. Now, in business, you've got a little bit more freedom generally than you do in a job to succeed financially. 
um, because many of the restraints that are there uh, that you may have a job as far as a boss who doesn't want you to take his position or, uh, you know, maybe someone in the decision making process that, you know, they, they have a fixed budget and, and there are just influences that are outside your control. Well, when you're in business for yourself, it's it's a little bit different animal. But if you do it right, uh, you can you can earn a fascinating amount of money, okay? But you may need to work harder than you could possibly ever imagine in order to create that. Now, as a consultant and as a coach, one of my favorite things to do is to sit down with people who are launching their business. And, uh, you know, I, I love sharing with them the reality of what it takes. Uh, because if, you know, if, if I knew what it would take, uh, to create, um, what I've created, I'm not sure that I would if I really knew, uh, the pain and the struggle and, the the sleep and the sleepless nights and and the sacrifice of my family's time and just you know it, it's it's kind of hard looking back but you know when you're in the midst of things and and you're in the process of creating man it feels good and when it feels good and it feels right there is a sustaining power out there i'll just i'll leave it at that now for those who have achieved success, I don't think it's ever fair to chalk someone up as just being lucky. And you know what? That's a temptation of a lot of us. You know, we look at someone who's very wealthy and we ah, they just lucked out. <laughs> now, many people have uh, been attributed with this quote, but I think the saying is, you know, I'm a great believer in luck. The harder I work, the more luck I seem to have. Now, another way to look at achievement and luck in particular is that, yes, some people do get breaks. I mean, really fortunate opportunities, which can fall in their lap. But I believe that fortune is found where preparation meets opportunity. In other words, if you're always ready for the next big thing, okay, and you're open and, and you're looking for that and you've got the goods, right? You, you've paid your dues, right? Fame and fortune. When it comes, when the opportunity comes along, fame and fortune could just be yours for the earning. So while recreation and rest, they're, look, they're extremely important. We also need to be focused upon how we can bring and give more and more value. And when we do this and we're able to work tirelessly to create more good in the world, then I believe that this is the second leg of the stool for how we can create more abundance. Now, work-wise, you just have to be willing to do what others are not willing to do so that you can have what they will never have. Now, finally, let me share with you the third area that's required in order to create abundance and, and, and maybe even a lot of financial abundance. And this is the principle of wise stewardship. Now, this one was the last value for me to fully understand. And what I believe stewardship to mean is that we, we take care of what we're able to earn and what we're blessed with. And that doesn't mean that 
uh, you know, what we earn and what we're blessed with, we're just supposed to give it all away. And again, I'm only speaking for myself. You may feel otherwise, and that's totally fine. But but what I believe is, you know, and again, just speaking for myself here, is I believe that stewardship means that we're to be wise stewards and that we're to, we're to watch over uh, these things. We're to take care of them. And using the other two legs of the stool, we're to help these things grow. So I have a belief that that money that, or this idea of money or this energy of, of money tends to want to go where it feels like it's going to be well taken care of. Again, I'm just kind of speaking more figuratively here, but just stay with me here for a second and pretend that this might somehow be true at some level and just see how this feels for you. But imagine some potential new money for you as if it were taking a look at you and taking a look at how you treat money now. Now, that money might just look at you and say, well, he doesn't take very good care of money and it's all just watered through his hands. It it burns a hole in his pocket. He can't even get rid of that money fast enough. He just wants to blow it as quickly as possible. I don't know what it is, but he has this natural aversion to money. So why would I, as money, and all my fellow money friends, want to go to that person? We're not going to be well taken care of, so uh, we're not going to be valued. We're not going to be cared for at all. That's, by the way, that's exactly how money talks, I, I, I guess. <laughs> so anyway, somewhere, somehow, and, you know, at some level, I believe that there's just this natural repelling of money from people who just don't value the things that money can do and buy. Now, may, again, maybe I'm completely in left field on this. And of, of course, I'm I'm not speaking as uh, of money as having some sort of mind. It doesn't. I'm just saying that our actions create uh, these results. So a wise steward is going to value every dime, but it doesn't mean that they need to become a miser. It doesn't mean that they need to become a cheapskate. In fact, I think that that, that might have the opposite effect if we were to go to that extreme, because we could start to identify ourselves as not being worthy of enjoying the great things that we could do with that money. So then we won't really do much to increase the flow of money into our lives. And so we're just kind of stagnating things if, if we become cheapskatish, right? So I believe that we just simply want to shepherd that which we have. And in so doing, we should be very wise about how we spend our money. Just be thoughtful about how money is spent. And that's what I teach. So, for example, if you were going to make a, ma- and again, this is an example I think would make a lot of sense for everybody. Okay. If you were going to buy, uh, make a major purchase, doesn't it just make sense that you would research that purchase? I mean, does it not make sense that if you were going to buy a new air conditioner for your home, that you would study out which models perform the best, which models are the best value, and then once you decide on which models you're most interested in, you would do a little shopping around to make sure you get the best price. I mean, that's natural, right? I mean, you would study out, you know, the contractors that that, that you might uh, have do that work. I mean, how many of us just kind of 
you know, just throw every bit of caution and common sense out the window and just call the first guy in the phone book and say, you come on over, install an air conditioning unit, and I'll write you a check. I don't know. I don't know too many people like that. Most people I know, they, they, they like their money and, and they would prefer to make sure that they're making wise money choices. See, if you can apply this same smart money management and stewardship to every area, all the line items on your budget, and it doesn't require a lot of work. It just requires gaining some skill sets that you may think you have, but I'm going to tell you statistically, you don't. Sadly, most of us don't. Uh, we don't apply these uh, skills. We might think that uh, we are, but most of the choices that we make with our money have been taught to us by marketers and not by someone like myself who studies consumer behavior. And so you can call it frugality if you want. You can call it smart and sensible money management. I prefer the term just being a wise steward. When I'm tasked with a purchase for my family, I believe in being proactive with how I choose to spend that money. And that means that I'm going to learn the facts when it comes to the best ways for me to manage my money and to be a smart shopper. You will earn a very good return on investment from becoming a better steward. Now, about two-thirds of the 90 Days to Abundance e-course at SavingsAngel.com, it focuses on spending. And that's very intentional because I believe it's where people can make the most immediate changes and receive the biggest return on investment for their efforts. If your budget for groceries has been eight to $900 a month, and I can teach you the facts about how to really get the best deals, well, you can instantly pocket two to $300 a month. And if you follow my advice, a two to $300 a month pay raise, man, that's a really big deal. And you know which demographic is is one of the fastest growing and, and dedicated to shopping smart and using coupons, in fact? It's families who are earning six figures already. Now, consequently, one of the most depressing segments to look at is people who make the least amount of money. Coupon redemption rates amongst that population are generally extremely low, and it That's just unfortunate. It really is. It's a statistic that I've seen time and time again, that those whom could be blessed the most from some smart money choices, sadly, are generally the last ones to actually make those smart choices. And I've worked with a number of people in leadership positions with nonprofits and charity organizations who wish they could impact behavior more. And, and I feel that same way. But what I'm talking about, it's a very difficult behavior to break. And that is overcoming this feeling of, I just need to have it now. I don't want to take the time to research. I don't want to take the time to learn new skills. I just want it now. The commercials I've been watching have made it so exciting about some product or some emotion that they promise that I'm going to have or some feeling that I'm going to get from purchasing this product that I don't want to wait to find out if it's actually good for me or if there's a more cost-efficient way for me to get this same item or the same feelings. 
Anyway, you know, people like myself, you know, we're working very, very hard. I work with a lot of other consumer experts and have had these conversations as well. And, you know, just trying to change these ideas out there, uh, it, it's a little bit, uh, you know, we're battling against billions of dollars of clever marketing. And it is, it's a David and Goliath battle. So the fact that you're listening to this podcast to this 90 Days to Abundance podcast, it tells me that you are interested in improving the skills that are required to be a good steward. And you'll hear me talk about this leg of the stool probably more often than it, than the other two, just simply because of the immediate return you can get from smart financial decisions as you exercise prudence with your money. Now, if I can show you how to get free stuff along the way, it's kind of like Christmas, and people like Christmas. So again, I share a lot of, you know, how you can walk away from this podcast, and you can stop into a Walgreens or a, uh, a CVS or Rite Aid or whatever, and go get something for free. I really like that. I, you know, I consider that kind of takeaway uh, entertainment or takeaway information. So I, I really love to make sure that you're gaining immediate value along the way. If you'll stick with me for the long haul at the other end of it, at the other end of your 90 day journey or your, you know, nine year journey with me or whatever, uh, you're going to come out a very, very, uh, abundant, uh, person. Now, Again, as you follow these principles, you're going to see your bank account grow. You're going to see yourself getting ahead. And if you're in a position where there is more month currently than there is money, I know that pain. I really, really do. It stinks, right? But if you follow these principles that I teach, I can tell you from experience, you can start to see this ship turn around. Even if you have like life circumstances that are very, very difficult, look, though, those circumstances are what they are. Okay. Some of them we just cannot change, but we can make the best out of the things that we can influence. And in so doing, at the end of the month, you will be in a better position than you were previously. Now, this all comes from an accumulation of a number of smart money choices and career choices and business choices, okay? And you'll hear me focus upon groceries and consumables a lot because I believe it's one of the absolute easiest ways to give yourself a quick pay raise. And again, as I mentioned earlier, a two to $300 a month uh, pay raise, uh, it's a really big deal. So, Anyway, that's what you can get from being much more smart on how you buy your consumables. And again, consumables are everything uh, and beyond your grocery budget. And this includes like cleaning supplies, paper products, makeup, diapers, uh, everything that you're buying on a regular basis. Those are consumables. And those are some of the easiest things to save large amounts of money on. Now, if you can start saving 40 to 60% on all those little items, and do that in a way that isn't going to take a lot of time. Well, you've given yourself a 40 to 60% pay raise on that eight to $900 a month line item on your budget. So keep listening to this podcast and I'll teach you everything you need to know about moving ahead in this area. Now, if you'd like to just put your abundant life 
in Fast Forward and learn everything you need to on these subjects, then I'd really encourage you to check out my e-course, if you like, at savingsangel.com. Now, if you're open, there's a special, there is a special offer this week that will allow you to try my full 90 days to abundance e-course for 60% off. Just go, again, just go to savingsangel.com, scroll to the bottom, click on the e-course preview button, and you should be able to see the 60% offer right there. Also, if you enjoyed what I shared today, please hit the subscribe button in iTunes. See, every time you do that, I don't know if you realize this, but if you do that with this program, every time you do that, an angel does get its wings, I promise. (laughs) And if you do leave a positive review, iTunes moves our time together, this listening experience, it moves the podcast uh, up the rankings. And that's very good because it helps me share this message of abundance with a larger and larger audience. I can't do that on my own. So I rely on you to give the yay or the nay on the direction we go. And I, I'm very, very uh, grateful for that, for that small bit of effort. So now for your benefit, just to sum up in regards to what we talked about today and creating abundance, let's review what I shared. Number one, to, to accumulate more financial abundance, you have to have good abundance philosophies. Number two, you need to be able to work and create enough value that you can be compensated more for your efforts. And number three, you need to exercise wise financial stewardship principles. And all three of these I'll help you with. Now, these are my three core beliefs for creating abundance, and this is the framework for which this podcast and everything else that I offer at savingsangel.com is built upon. So if you'd like to move ahead together, if you'd like to move ahead with me and with everybody else that's a part of this journey, this movement toward abundance, then keep on listening, and together we will all live more abundantly. You have chosen wisely.